Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ESR Texas podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm Annie, your host, and today I'm joined by Joel Hornby, Key Account Manager for VESR Tex. So today we're going to discuss how sometimes the key to success is knowing what not to do and then determining the best solution. In providing an animal-centered environment for your dairy, specific considerations need to be given to the effects of weather, building structure, and facility layout, and of course, the cows themselves. So thank you so much for being with us today, Joel. Let's start off by having you introduce yourself and giving us some of your background. Thank you, Annie, for your brief introduction. My name is Joel Hornby. I am Key Account Manager at VES Artex. Been serving dairy producers for the last eight, eight and a half years, three and a half with VES Artex. I have a work history of education, coaching, construction work. I grew up around dairy on my grandparents' dairy farm. Dad worked in dairy for Foremost Farms for um, his entire working career. So I've been around it a lot, spent the last few years specifically focused on how ventilation, automation, cooling strategies, lighting, and benefit the cow in her living environment within the barn and the parlor and holding area. I'm married to my high school sweetheart, Tammy. Got four children, range ages 15 to 21. And I greatly enjoy spending time with them when I'm not working. Well, welcome again. So building a barn can be quite overwhelming. Where do you recommend a dairy producer even starts? I think probably the best place to start is determining what your long-range plans are. And if uh, your current location is the best site to meet future needs. Once that's determined and you have a site, I think the second most important thing to do is to look at the geography of the area, even if it's someplace that you've lived a long time, look at the historical weather data and drill in on how that's going to actually influence the barn systems, how they're going to perform and what those effects could be on your dairy herd. And you might already know what some of those effects are if it is, in fact, at the same location. Uh, regardless, it is a, a worthwhile exercise to look at those details because it's where your cows live and it's what we have to contend with on a daily basis. Absolutely. So talking about those details, um, what are some of the more important variables that should be investigated when building a barn and what tools do you use to analyze it? We have a actually a spreadsheet that Dr. Brady created that is a very effective tool where we go out and we capture um, weather data and it can be for 10 years it could be for 12 years it could be 15 whatever is actually available but we typically focus on 10 after harvesting this data we dump it into his spreadsheet and it allows us to analyze highs and lows of temperature day-to-day temperature and humidity we also look at wind data and wind roses and all of those things are going to affect naturally ventilated barns mechanically ventilated barns whether they're funnel or cross vent and when we look at all of these factors we can get a 
a, a snapshot of what is going to happen at that site with that barn, whether the prevailing winds are, are blowing a particular um, portion of the year out of a specific direction, out of the southwest perhaps, and what that's going to do at the inlet helps us determine where we want to put our exhaust fans, prevents us from bucking headwinds. It makes for good fan efficiency. It ensures that we get heat and humidity out of the barn in the wintertime, get the noxious gases out, but get them out in a, in a way that doesn't cost a lot of extra money or compromise the ability of those fans. If you're bucking headwinds, those fans can't work as hard. Well, they work harder and do less. And so what you end up with is probably a greater heat gain in your barn during situations like that. So here in Wisconsin, where we often, and, and just the upper Midwest in general, doesn't matter if it's Wisconsin, could be Minnesota, South Dakota, Michigan, you know, any place in the Northern latitudes who's dealing with those winter days that can be repetitive where it's negative 20 ambient air temperature need to have specific solutions predetermined for how you can effectively bring in air that cold into your barn without freezing your barn, without freezing the cows. You want to have inviting bed spaces for them to lay down. And there are ways to actually bring that air into the barn when it's that cold without freezing your barn up and have good air quality in your barn and still do turnover of air in there. So uh, some of those calculations have been made possible um, from Dr. Brady's work. And then we use that to help us determine, hey, what, what are some good solutions here and how can we effectively ventilate this barn? We have tools that allow us to determine how to do the lighting so that we have good foot candles at the eye level of the cow and lactating cow barns. So we can do long day lighting. We can do short day lighting for dry cow barns can look at the average number of daylight hours. If we've got good light penetration into the barn uh, for light and not in such a way to create additional radiant heat energy, but just to provide light, we can utilize that light. We can actually dim our light. So some of that can be pre-planned. So there are, there are lots of tools available. When we're, when we're involved on the, on the front end of things early, we have a lot to, to offer and bring to the table, whether it's temperature, whether it's THI, and calculating, taking all that weather data that we actually have and saying, okay, we know how temperature and humidity are going to affect this facility, but then how is that going to affect the cow, which would actually be the, the THI, the temperature humidity index. So we, we take that a step further and we calculate that and look at heat stress in the cows. Absolutely. So I think let's back it up a little bit. Um, so you mentioned earlier inlet fans, exhaust fans, circulation fans. Um, what are some of the different strategies of ventilation you can include in your barn? And when would it be best to utilize each option effectively? Well, can I throw one more in there real quick that, that is part of the ventilation strategy and it's equally important and I don't want to forget to mention it, and that is your curtain system. So almost always you have a curtain system, and that is probably one of the primary means by which you're going to get the most air into the barn 
to satisfy the needs of the cow and all of those fans that are actually running. You don't have to have curtains on your barn. There are, there are situations where you can use, you know, all total fresh air injection and you don't have to have curtains, but generally they're part of the, the strategy and they provide the necessary and effective inlet, but it needs to be coordinated with the exhaust ventilation staging. And, and that happens best through automation. We can talk about that later. I'll answer your question, but curtains that can talk back to the exhaust system help to make sure that we get what we need in that barn for the cows at each stage because it differs in the stages of ventilation, whether it is, you know, minimum ventilation, wintertime, some of those very cold temperatures I mentioned, or whether it's extremely hot in the summer. And it's it's different what you need out of that curtain system. So back to your question, after that, after um, curtains are addressed, there are fresh air injection fans and fresh air injection fans can actually help us delay when we open curtains in northern latitudes where we have harsh climates that we have to work in. It can bring fresh air into the barn in many small areas across the barn and bring that cold air that's higher in humidity and dump it small amounts of cold air and dump it into large barn volumes where you actually have warmer and drier air. So for about every 20 degrees that the air warms up, you cut the humidity in half. Okay, it's just a general rule of thumb. Well, in the wintertime, that cold air is holding a lot of moisture and you bring it into your barn. If you can bring that in, in different locations, it just kind of helps to temper the barn environment and helps minimize the effects of all of that humidity coming in in one location. It also helps keep your barn a little bit warmer. Now that, that little bit of cold air that's brought in and is mixed with a lot of warm air and it can be delivered almost directly to the cows so that they get good fresh air without the risk of barn freeze up. So you got that benefit in minimum ventilation with fresh air injection fans. You also get an added benefit in the summertime. You have the opposite thing happening. You have cows that are adding temperature and humidity to that barn. They're adding, each cow is adding about 1500 BTUs to that barn environment. You've got the radiant energy of the sun on your barn and you got warm temperatures outside, but generally it isn't as humid outside. And on the hottest days of the year, the potential actually is for the air to be possibly cooler even outside. So you're bringing that air in and injecting it along the sides of the barn and it helps to reduce the THI gain down the length of the barn. And so you're kind of diluting what typically is a accumulation of heat and humidity as air is pulled from one end of the barn to the other. And that's probably more, it is a, a very applicable strategy for tunnel vent barns. It becomes more difficult in cross vent barns because of the sheer um, width of the length of those barns. But in a tunnel vent, it is an excellent strategy to, to help in all seasons. Effective cow side velocity, we call it ECV. We actually have 
And then we have fans that are called ECV fans that are, are louvered fans. They serve as circulation fans as well. And they help to direct air right down into the cow living space. It helps provide a means for convection heat loss. It keeps most of that air moving down below the neck rail. I've got some pretty neat videos in the wintertime where we run these fans as circulation fans. And it will be 30 degrees in the barn. It will be running the fan at a very low speed. And as the cow is breathing, you can see her breath just float along below the neck rail and being pushed up down the barn towards the exhaust system to be evacuated out of the barn. So you know that that air is being pushed out of there. At the same time, you're delivering fresh air. All of those cows laying down in that section of stall beds. So providing effective cow side velocity and circulation is extremely important whether you're dealing with natural or mechanical ventilation because it's helping with heat loss in the summer. It's delivering fresh air year round. Uh, it also helps keep your bedding drier. So you have you know, reduced risk for you know, higher somatic cell count, mastitis and things like that. Uh, exhaust ventilation, as I alluded to with, with the importance of tying it to the curtains, you know, you're, you're evacuating your noxious gases, heat load, humidity, and it can also help with your velocity in your stall beds. You know, as you're pulling air through that barn, well, kind of, it's negative pressure lots of times. And so, you know, you turn your exhaust fans out and they, they pull air out of a certain area and your pressure ends up being higher outside and it pushes air into your barn because you created a low pressure in your barn. And as that gets pushed in through the curtains and, and pushed down through the barn, you do get some velocity from that. So usually that's not sufficient enough by itself um, to create a good uh, cow side velocity in a barn. And you need ventilation fans to help with that or um, a baffle strategy to keep that air down in the cow living space. But the exhaust fans do help with that. So I think that pretty much rounds it out. I mean, you have exhaust and inlet needs in almost every section of a facility, whether it's your barn or your utility room, your commodity building, your manure building. So all of those things that I just mentioned, there are, there are components of that that are actually you know beneficial you know outside your um, your dairy barn and milk barn. Absolutely, I think that was a really great way to start off this conversation by just giving a. A simple explanation um, of all of those different types of mm -hmm. ventilation strategies. So what are some of the KPIs that you're looking for in terms of ventilation to really attain that effective cow side velocity? Yeah, great question. You know, those key performance indicators are things that we want to achieve. And that's why we go back and we start right at the beginning. You know, the geography, the site, the weather, all of those things are going to influence uh, our ability to get to the KPIs that we want to get to. There are certain situations on a site where a manure pit demands that, you know, we exhaust into the prevailing winds. Well, if we want to get 1500 CFM per cow, which is one of our KPIs that we want to hit, or at least be in that area, and it's a little bit of a, a um, it fluctuates a bit. <clears throat> some of that's dependent upon the building. Some of it's dependent upon the stocking density. 
um, what kind of facility is, whether it's a robot barn or whether it's a freestall barn or whether it's a holding area, you know, all of those things affect that. But if we want to get to that and we, because of our, our site location and building restraints, we have to ventilate a specific direction. We can account for that on the front end. This is where we want to get to. So here's what we need to do and, and have that discussion on the front end rather than, than trying to redempt, uh, uh, remedy it on the back end. So CFM per cow is one important one. Another one is uh, effective cow side velocity or ECV. We want to be 440 feet per minute or five miles per hour. Doesn't matter whether it's a, a natural vent, a cross vent, or a tunnel vent. We want to get a good velocity over the stall bed. And you know, whether we're, we've got a 120 foot stall bed or we've got a a uh, 72 foot stall bed, you know, from beginning to end, we want to try to achieve a five mile per hour average, which means we're probably going to be a little bit more in some places. And at the very end of it, you know, we might be down in that three to four mile per hour, but we're still removing the heat layers from around that cow that develop and, and helping to cool her through convection heat loss. Air changes per hour is another, you know, we want to be 40 to 60. And again, that varies. Sometimes we might even get down closer to 30 uh, in some robot facilities that don't get overstocked. And we have exceptional CFM per cow. We've got good cow side velocity in the stall bed. And so that, that varies. But when we get into parlor and holding areas, you know, we'll definitely be 60. And if we got a lot of animals in there, we might be just a little bit over 60 even. So knowing what it is that we're trying to achieve and removing barriers to that uh, are key. Uh, all of those things require that we bring air into buildings, whether we're bringing it in with fans or curtains. And so we want to achieve air inlet speeds of around 500 to 1,000 a, a feet per minute. So, you know, we're in that, uh, oh, five and a half to 11 miles per hour. And that depends and varies based on season. I mentioned this earlier. You know, our exhaust fans, you know, quote unquote, need to know or I take that back, sorry, our, our inlet fans or curtains need to know what the exhaust fans need and what the needs are in the barn. And all of that can be automated and programmed into a system, whether we're using our Dairy Boss control or our AutoFlex controls so that things are coordinated and work together as a system and you're not fighting against each other, which can get expensive because it's hard on equipment. It also costs more uh, money and electricity. So, you know, automation in that is super important and very effective. Lastly, ammonia levels. We try to keep, <clears throat> well, not try. We want, we want it to be way below 25 parts per million, but that is kind of what has been established for the safety of workers and, and health of animals is in dairy barns, you want to be below that 25 parts per million. And so, you know, we actually put certain types of sensors in barns to actually measure these things as well. So not only is it part of our, our design strategy on the front end, but then we put strategically within the facility, we can put in ammonia sensors. We can put in ammonometers so that we can measure airspeed. We measure temperature and humidity, and we can calculate THI and report it within the facility so the dairy producers, the farm managers, they actually know 
what is happening in the facility, which when you know those things, now you can make changes and you can either make them permanent and program it into the system, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a one day event where you need to make a change and you get an alert. You can set alerts so that you get them on your phone. And, and now, you know, oh man, that's not good. I better go check that out. So there's no, you got an early opportunity to intervene and solve a problem, maybe before it even becomes a problem. So that's just kind of, <clears throat> just in summary, any KPIs that we look at is effective cow side velocity, CFM per cow, air changes per hour, inlet airspeed, and with regards to you know air quality ammonia. Thank you so much for sharing some of those actual um, numbers to know, you know, kind of where am I at on my dairy? Where can I improve? Where am I maybe overachieving? So you talked about inlets. Um, so let's say we've got our, our curtain set up. They're letting in the most optimal amount of air, our recirculation fans, moving air through the barn. But what about some building obstructions? Are there any of those within the barn and how do they affect ventilation? Yeah, great question. I even alluded to this just a bit ago when I said, you know, part of hitting these KPIs is removing the barriers. And some of them are, are, literal, are, are literal barriers that people build into barns. Um, and I think most of the time, just unknowingly, like tall crossover walls. Tall crossover walls are great in the regard that you can tie your, your shoulder bar or neck rail, whatever you call it, you know, right into that concrete wall. It's an easy connection. It's nice and solid. It helps stabilize your, your freestall system. However, that's also just an air killer for air that's flowing through the barn in a tunnel vent or a natural vent because it serves as a big air deflector and it sends the air up. And once the air goes up, it does not come back down unless you bring it back down uh, with fans. So you get an advantage to fans even if those barriers are removed because it gives you the effective house side velocity that you want over a particular distance, but you just made your cow side velocity even better when you remove the deflectors because you're not having to work against that air being pushed up and then bring it back down. You just tend to help keep it down where it is as it's flowing through the barn. So in a tunnel vent, crossover walls no higher than they need to be. Typically behind like a waterer, that means just like six to nine inches above that to keep cows from splashing water into the stall. You don't want wet beds either. So there is a place for, for some of those walls, but not having them be four or five feet tall. You can use, you know, fencing in your uh, concrete wall, which is a little bit additional labor. Um, there still is a cost for, for that steel product. However, it has the great paybacks in airflow through your barn. You know, likewise, in a, in a cross vent barn, you end up with a similar problem in a, when you have a taller than needed curb dividing pens and air is flowing through the barn parallel with the cows. And as soon as it hits that curb, it shoots the air up. And a lot of times right over the cows that are 12 feet away, you know, you got the scrape alley there and that air goes up and right over the cows. And unless it's being pushed down um, with the use of a baffle or an ECV fan, it, it just stays up. And so cows are missing out on 
both fresh air and that effective cow side velocity. Sometimes rooms, you know, in uh, a robot barn, if you've got your robot barn and you are uh, cross-ventilating that and your your barns are running perpendicular to the airflow, that can be a, a, a fairly substantial, you know, air deflector as well. And, and it just like water, I mean, you, if you, I think everybody gets a little mesmerized sometimes watching the water in a river or a stream and, and you can just see how, you know, it gets diverted and you'll get these areas where there just isn't any water moving and you'll actually even see an accumulation sometimes of like some surface, you know, material matter that's, that's, that's run off of the, the land, whether it be leaves or even maybe different types of elements that end up and create that foam and it just kind of sits there. Well, the, the exact same thing happens when you end up putting in diversion mechanisms, whether it be curbs or rooms in a barn, and you just get this air that just sits there and it gets hot and it gets stale and, and it's terrible. And sometimes it's important areas where you actually need cows to be like you need cows to come into this robot. And when you create a environment that is not conducive or enjoyable, I want to say enjoyable. Yeah. I I think the cows probably enjoy it, but is not um, fresh is not um, have a velocity has a presence of flies because there's no air moving. Those girls don't want to go in there. So you know, thinking about these sort of things on the front end and maybe looking at, hey, can we move air through this robot barn, you know, with the length of my robot and not against it, it, it greatly minimizes and it just makes it easier to, to ventilate in that microclimate. It definitely seems that some of those areas that are maybe the, the most vulnerable um, or important do seem to collect that dead air. So what about the holding area? This is an area that we know that often has a great risk of heat stress. What are some ways we can optimize cow cooling and some potential deflectors? I guess to connect this to our last um, question with obstructions in the barn, having large concrete walls in the holding area can do the same thing. Sometimes they're necessary and cows form a wall too, but having more wall than what you need especially in a cross-ventilated holding area, forces that air up, push it back down with fans. But again, you're, you're fighting against yourself. So keeping those, whether it is a, a crowd gate wall, um, keeping those lower, you're still going to need to push air down is helpful. Bringing fresh air in to the holding area, getting it down on the cows, Typically in a holding pen, you've got about 15 square foot that you figured per cow. And so you may have 500, 800 cows. One area of your barn where you have extreme density, you have extreme heat production, and you need to get more air than you would normally try to move just because of the amount of heat that's being produced. You can't implement the same sort of strategies that you do in your barn and think that you're going to effectively remove that heat from those cows and keep them cool. So fan spacing gets much closer, both on center and the distance between the fans becomes much less. 
Uh, it's a shorter distance so that you get more velocity driven down on the cows and even in between the cows, if you can, just to kind of break up that heat that's down there, you can actually utilize a, almost all of that air that comes from the parlor. Most parlors get pressurized where you're pushing fresh air in so that you have good control of it, but there's not that many animals in the parlor. And so most of that air still has uh, great value in the holding area. And most of your cows are going to end up the, the majority of the time right at the front of your parlor. You're almost always going to have cows at the front of your holding area, not front of your parlor, sorry about that, at the front of your holding area. And so as that fresh air is brought into the parlor, it provides for the needs of the cows there. But then it enters into the holding area and all of those cows at that front get that that blast of fresh air coming out of the parlor that's otherwise hard to even get to them. Having a, a holding area that utilizes that fresh air makes good sense in that I can continue to get the advantage of absorbing heat off of the cows, especially if we did high pressure fogging in the parlor, there's still value of that, and push it towards my exhaust fans at the back of the, the holding area. That would be in a tunnel vent application. Um, soaking in the holding area is critical. You know, I, I would submit that it's uh, extremely important in dairy facilities as well. Some people are trying to manage, you know, some dairy producers really are watching the amount of water that they put into their system because it's expensive to try to um, get that out of the pit and get it to the fields if you're if you're pumping all of that. But there are strategies to help with that too. Um, we have actually an intelligent soaker that soaks and and when the signal from the intelligent soaker gets interrupted by a cow stepping under the, the headlock or the feed rail, it triggers the soaker. We have similar soaking mechanisms that uh, operate with a signal. So when cows are present, that soaking system will actually operate on, on, a, on a timed basis in the holding area and, and get those girls wet. And then as you put that velocity over them, you get an evaporative cooling off of those cows. So getting them wet so that water gets down to the skin and then the water gets turned off. You know, it's timed and it's controlled so that you can actually get evaporation. So, you know, just in summary, I would say in a parlor holding area, and, I, and I'm lump, you said holding area, but I'm lumping them together because they operate together. You have two different environments, but you have to coordinate them and you have to work together because you're, you want to utilize what remains from what you did in the parlor and bring that through your holding area. But you also have to do that in a way with your exhaust system that it doesn't negatively impact the barns that are connected to the holding area. So this is kind of where some of that, that staging and that um, strategy comes in where we figure out, okay, how much air are we going to put into that parlor? How many air changes per hour? And then when we get into the holding area, how many cows do we have in here? How many air changes per hour? The temperature and humidity settings and how are we going to utilize the air from the parlor in the holding area to meet the needs of all of those cows in that holding area with regards to CFM per cow and air changes per hour and then not negatively impact the barns that it's connected to. So there's a lot going on there. 
But in all of that, we're going to use fresh air injection. We're going to use velocity fans. We're going to use soaking. We're going to use exhaust fans. And we're going to automate it and have the whole system talking so that it knows. And if something isn't happening the way it should or the temperature or THI is getting too high, we'll get an alert so that there can be a response quickly. Because as you said, it's, a, it's an area where you need to be you need to be on your A game. Otherwise, you can get a cow heat stressed in that holding area pretty easily. You can send her back out to the dairy barn where you may have a an exceptional animal-centered environment there. But then in five hours, six hours, she's back in the in the holding area again. It may take her that long just to get recovered from the heat stress in the holding area. So you can you can be perpetually putting her back into heat stress at different times of year for that half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is that she's in that holding. So Annie, you're absolutely right. It is probably one of the most important areas on the dairy and how it is, the solutions that are developed for it, for heat abatement and providing that animal-centered environment, how it's controlled, how it's integrated, it is critical for, for success of, of those girls on any dairy that's utilizing any type of parlor. You know, you don't have those sort of, you have different challenges in a robot barn, right? That we kind of discussed a little bit, um, but with a parlor, you know, those are very important considerations and they're best dealt with uh, and most economically dealt with in the beginning on the front end. You know, do it right the first time and you will reap a generous return. Absolutely. Those are some really tangible tips. And it's so important to make sure your entire system in your facility is working together, not against each other. Mm -hmm. But not all farms have the opportunity to build a brand new barn. What are some small and maybe more inexpensive updates that can be made in a barn to increase the comfort of their cows? We employ a lot of the, the strategies that I already mentioned in existing barns. So you have a facility. The main thing is, is assessing what you have, determining what your goals are, and then developing solutions to meet them with the existing facilities that you have. You know, I think, you know, the least expensive things that can actually be done are, are pretty simple things. Like I mentioned earlier, soakers. soakers on a large, on a big, in the big scheme of things are, are a relatively small capital investment and have a relatively low operating cost. And if done, you know, with an intelligent soaking system, you can actually conserve water and, and reduce that expense that you might have had for pumping manure. So I think um, making sure that your, your stalls are in good condition some simple maintenance and repair of your stalls does wonders for cows and invites them in to want to lay down. I was in a facility not that long ago and the neck rail was bent and sticking out and it was just a, you know, an obstruction to cows coming in and laying down, making sure that stalls are groomed. Cows will stand up to try to stay cool. You want to provide velocity on those cows so that they'll lay down in their stalls. If the stall bed is groomed and it's a nice place to lay down and you've got an effective cow side velocity from fans, ECV fans or 
panel fans that are pushing air across those beds, that will be an inviting place. If you can remove the unnecessary obstacles to that airflow, it'll make it even better. It'll make it more efficient. Another thing that I see a lot of, and it's just the reality, uh, overcrowding pens. The more cows you put in the pen, the hotter it gets. So the more conscientious you have to be about every single variable that's affecting those cows because each one of them ends up having a greater impact. Plenty of available water. Cows need water to make milk. So number one, you just got to have enough of that available within a, within a good distance. Um, so she doesn't have to walk, you know, 200 feet to the other end of a pen. You want to have it, you know, in the middle of your, your stall bays. So that's easily accessible. You want to be able to get traffic over that crossover so cows can move comfortably, not create bottlenecks. <clears throat> so having plenty of water is, is critical. And, you know, making sure you have a lot of water is really, it's a, that's another one of those investments where it's not a substantial capital investment. So simply maybe putting in some, some longer waters can go a long way. It's cows drink water to be cool. Um, I would say it shouldn't be your default, meaning all well, my cows got enough water to drink, so I don't have to cool them other ways, but it certainly should be, you know, something that you're thinking about that each one of those girls should have about 3.5 inches of linear drinking space available to them in the pen. You know, you can do some fresh air injection in a barn where you might have trouble areas without doing exhaust ventilation, you know, mechanically ventilating and exhausting the air is more effective. But sometimes you get in problem areas and actually just putting some fresh air in, delivering it to the cows with fans, and then pushing that air in one direction out of the barn can be effective. I see this strategy occasionally even in some open holding areas that are almost completely open, but getting some fresh air delivered in, getting it pushed up so that that ECV fan can grab it and push it right down to those girls can be effective. So, you know, Annie, it, it really is, every dairy that I'm on is always just a little bit different. So it, it's a, it's a case by case basis. And it's always good to, to have a conversation with the dairy producer um, to look at the site and have a discussion of, you know, what it is that they, they want to achieve, what it is that they are able to invest, and then, hey, how are we going to do this and make it happen? The production gains that, that can be had are, are, are significant. You know, I mentioned earlier that we measure THI, at, at, and, and we'll do that on retrofits too. We'll do a weather analysis and say, well, you know, all right, you know, 36% of the time you're in moderate, you know, heat stress. And 4% of the time you're in severe heat stress. You may be losing six to 10 pounds of milk uh, over the course of the summer months annually. Well, you can do some pretty quick math to figure out that that's pretty significant. And even if you're just doing some strategies based on what you're able to cash flow and invest in, you can easily recover that. Sometimes you can pay for the investment that you made in a season 
with with milk gains. Now you're not probably going to pay for your operating costs and all the installation costs. But certainly within a couple of years, it can probably be uh, completely recovered. And so, yeah, asking those questions, having the conversations, get the ball rolling and help to, to dial in as to what, what the most effective strategy is for, for the situation at hand. Absolutely. It's so important to to find those experts that, you know, truly have um, an interest in what is best for your cows. So we're now at the end of our conversation. Um, and this next question is one that I've asked every single one of our interview guests. And so I'm very interested to hear your answer, Joel. But what does an animal-centered environment mean to you? Well, first of all, I got to tell you, if I can, a little story. So my grandpa was a dairyman. He milked cows till he was 71. He dairy farmed his whole life. His dad was a dairyman. And, uh, you know, I was, a, I, was the, I was a grandson growing up on the farm. So I worked on the farm, but unfortunately, for, for the most part, I was pretty clueless as to what it took, right? I, I raked hay. I put up hay. I helped milk cows. I helped feed cows. You know, I just did whatever I was asked to do. And, you know, the other times I was monkeying around and <laughs> kind of wreaking havoc sometimes. Um, thankfully, they were pretty patient with me. But I saw some pictures of my grandpa's cows, you know, in the last couple of years. And I looked, they had a, they had a great body score. They were clean. They were, they just looked really good. I could tell that he cared. He provided them with a good living environment, right? He had good bedding in the barn. Um, and he had good pasture for them. He cleaned the barnyard where they, where they did eat when they were out at the feed bunk that was outside. But he just little things he took care of. And it just it just amazed me that I really never really understood that. But you can see that when you go into somebody's facility, how clean the cows are, you know, what kind of job they're doing and, and how much they care about their animals. So, you know, to me, an animal center environment provides optimal living conditions. And, and what this does is it provides for, you know, exceptional cow health and well-being. And so it's a low stress home, provides great comfort. And that girl can then reach her genetic potential, um, not just in production, but in reproduction and, and longevity. I still appreciate that. I, looking back at, at my grandpa's cows and being able to go in somebody's facility, it just brings a, I don't know, makes you feel good when you go in and you see somebody doing a really good job. And it also uh, is part of why we do what we do at VSR Texas. We like making a difference and, and we like help helping to contribute to that animal-centered environment, whether it's, you know, cattle handling, freestall design, uh, holding area, cattle handling and how you move cows in, in a holding area or ventilation, high pressure fogging, automation. I mean, the whole shebang, right? So that's what I think an animal-centered environment is. Optimal living conditions, Contributes to great cow health and well-being. It's low stress with maximum comfort, and, and she reaches her potential. I think that was just a, a wonderful way to wrap up this conversation. Thank you again so much, Joel, for your, your time and your insights. I think we all learned a little bit more about how to avoid ventilation KPI killers, as well as some tangible solutions to implement. So thank you again, everyone who tuned in, and we will see you in our next episode. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.